John 21. Simon Peter said, I'm going out fishing. And six others said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. The stranger on the shore called out to them, Friends, have you caught any fish? And the seven answered, No. And the stranger on the shore said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, you'll find some fish. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And then uh, John turned to Simon Peter on the boat and he whispered to him. (laughs) And he said, that's Jesus. That's Jesus on the shore. And Simon Peter jumped into the water, swam a hundred yards. And voila, he was right in front of Jesus. After they had eaten breakfast, uh, Jesus had to take care of the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room was the fact that Simon Peter, who had said to Jesus, I'll die rather than deny you. Simon Peter had denied him three times. Fourteen-year-old girl, Roman soldiers. A big problem is Jesus heard him do it. And Jesus, coming around the corner, made eyeball contact with him when he's saying, I know who Jesus is. And Simon Peter goes out and he weeps bitterly, the repentance. But now it's time to deal with the elephant in the room. And Jesus says to Simon Peter after breakfast, Simon, son of Jonas, do you truly love me? More than these? You said you love me more than the other disciples did. You said even though they run away, I won't. Do you love me more than these? And Simon Peter said, you know that I love you. And Jesus asked a second time, do you truly love me, Simon? More than these? I mean, you saw me risen from the dead, and the next week you were back fishing. Do you love me more than these? Your nets and your boats and your, your uh, commercial industry. And Simon Peter said, you know I love you. And then Jesus asked a third time. In the Greek, the word is a little bit different. He said, do you truly love me? Not affection toward me. Not, I I like you because I've been around you. Do you truly love me, meaning your will and your purpose? Do you love me so much that your will and your purpose are all wrapped up in me? Simon Peter said, Amen, Jesus, I love you that much. And if you look carefully at what Jesus said after that, He was talking about the manner in which Simon Peter would end up dying for him, being crucified upside down. And when Simon Peter said, you know I love you, Jesus said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. 
Who are the lambs? Who are the sheep? Why are they important? Do you forget John chapter 10? He said, I will lay down my life for my sheep. There are those who want to scatter the sheep. They're evil. But I will lay down my life for the sheep. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and no one shall pluck them out of my Father's hand. No one shall pluck them out of my hands. Those are the sheep. He says, Simon Peter, the sheep that I am going, that I have died for on the cross, those are the sheep that I want you to feed. Can you do that, Simon Peter? Can you cast your net on the other side of the boats and do this for me and for the kingdom? Uh, Simon Peter, what type of fisherman was he in this thing called life? Well, Simon Peter was a confident individual. He's very confident in himself. Bold, a leader, son of thunder. Bold enough to say to Jesus, you tell me to get out of the boat and these feet will be walking on the water. Bold enough to tell Jesus quite often when he was wrong. These children are following after you. I think you got better things to do, right, Jesus? I'm going to just push them to the side. Jesus, that Gentile woman who keeps coming after you, wanting you to heal your daughter, I think you got better things to do, don't you, Jesus? I think you got better things to do than to deal with this Gentile woman. When Jesus is talking about his death on the cross, it's Simon Peter who comes out and says, Jesus, knock it off, man. You're making us all a little bit nervous. You're making us sad. Would you stop talking about that stuff? That's Simon Peter. How do you live life, Simon? I live it with boldness. I'm never wrong. Others might be wrong, but I'm never wrong. And Jesus couldn't have picked a better leader for the disciples than me. That is the type of fisherman he was. And Jesus is saying to him, you got to cast your net on the other side of the boat. If a 14-year-old girl scares you to death and you say, I don't know who Jesus is. And if some Roman soldiers say, well, you look like his disciples and that scares you to death. And you tell me to my face that you'll die for me. And then eyeball to eyeball, I see that you're doing something different. Maybe, Simon Peter, the side of the boat you need to throw your net on is one of humility and grace. And an absolute 100% reliance upon me. Not your ego, not the praise that others give you like your brother Andrew, but a hundred percent reliance on me. They saw someone standing on the beach. <laughs> Very important when the Bible says they didn't realize it was Jesus. 
And when the guy says, did you catch any fish? And they said, no. He says, throw it on the other side. Here's the deal. If they had known it was Jesus, <laughs> would they have listened to him? <laughs> and I think the answer is no. Simon Peter and the others would have said, well, that's Jesus. He's a carpenter's son. What does he know about fishing? As I said, they argued with him about many things. But the guy on the beach is someone they don't know. And when they look at him in the haze of the morning, they're sitting there thinking, he's a member of the fishermen's union. He's already been out all night, and he didn't catch anything, and he went and threw his nets on the other side, and he caught a bunch of fish. That's why he's telling us to do this. And so they listen to him. And when the miracle occurs, then John says, man, that's Jesus on the beach. Let me ask you a question. When you were 16, 17, 18 years of age, and your mom and dad gave you some advice when decisions had to be made, were you more prone to listen to them, or were you more prone to listen to your friends, your peers? Paul, here's what I think you should do. Paul, here's what I think you should tell your parents. Paul, here's what... Who are you more prone to do? And now that you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and you have decisions to make and, and things to do and directions to go, are you more prone to listen to your friends or are you more prone to listen to him? A lot of my time is spent in a place called L.A. Fitness. And I listen to endless discussions about endless things. And I hear the people at L.A. Fitness say to their buddies, here's what you should do. Here's what you should say. Here's how you should handle this. And as I'm listening to their advice, I shudder because so often their advice is so contrary to this man's advice, the one who's the Son of God, the one who loves us enough to die for us. If they had known it was Jesus, they would have said, thanks, take it under advisement, but uh, I think we're going to shut her down. But let it be a stranger. They will listen to his words. And when the miracle occurs, they know who it is. How's your fishing doing, you guys? How was your fishing in 2019? How's your fishing the first couple of months of this year? Jesus says you're fishing not for your bank account to grow. Jesus said you're not fishing to get awards presented to you on senior graduation nights. He says you're living for the lambs and the sheep. 
How's your fishing going? We use different bait in life. A lot of it depending on how we grew up, how our, our family life was, how dad was, mom was. Some use the bait of micromanaging. Some use the bait, like Simon Peter, I'm always right, you're always wrong. Some use the bait of sarcasm. Some use the bait of belittlement. Some use the bait of being downright mean. How does that bait work? Do you find people wanting to get really, really close to you? Do you find the kingdom of God growing? People coming to you and asking you questions about the kingdom. Bill Burke said to me last night, he said, I missed the banner back there. Uh, Where'd the banner go? I said, Bill, you know, that's uh, for the school, and, and every year they pick a different theme. I said, what banner are you talking about? He said, the one that says three things God requires. Act justly, love showing mercy, walk humbly, Simon Peter, walk humbly with your God. That's good bait, folks. That's really good bait to throw out there, to throw on the other side of the boat. Instead of meanness and arrogant and narcissistic personalities, throw out the bait of... I always try to act justly. I always try to show mercy. I always try to walk with humility. Didn't he say in the Sermon on the Mount, the bait I want you to use, blessed are the pure in hearts, for they'll gain many for the kingdom. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers. He laid it all out, the type of bait where they're supposed to use. How are we doing? Rachel Myers, she's going to visit us via video in a few minutes. She was a teacher at St. Paul's Lutheran Church, Kankakee. But she never got out of her heart the fact that she wanted to be a missionary. And she leaves Kankakee and she goes to Taiwan. And she leaves Taiwan and goes to Uganda. Because she wants to throw her net on the other side of the boats. And in a country where Lutheran Christianity didn't even exist 25 years ago. There are now 100 churches, and there are 29 pastors, and the school she is, is in has 100 students. She just wanted to throw her net on the other side of the boat. I talked to a lady yesterday. She's from Dallas, Texas. She works with missionary kids. And I grilled her. I said, 
Why is that ministry so important? She said, because so many missionary kids are lost. I said, what do you mean they're lost? She said, they can go six months to a year without seeing their mom and dad. When their mom and dad's out in the mission field and and they're in some location where they can study. And, And then when mom and dad come, then they have to leave that place and go to this place. And then they come to the States and they're here for three months or four months but they never connect with other kids because they're not here very long. And then they're off again. They're lost, uh, Paul. I said, how did you get involved with them? She said, I went through a very, 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 very painful divorce. We'd been married for 30 years. And after six weeks, I was so lost, I didn't know up from down. He did these things, I did those things. We took care of the matters together. And all of a sudden he's gone and I'm utterly lost. I'm trying to tread water and I think I'm going to drown. And I drive by this place five minutes from my house. And I go walking in. And here's missionary kids who are as lost as I was. And I threw my net on the other side of the boats. And I did something I never, never, never thought I had within me. I wrapped my arms around someone else who was lost. And we did great things for each other. They for me and I for them. Throw your net on the other side of the boats. Last story. There's a wedding coming up in a couple of years. Maid of honor is a sorority sister of the one getting married. I said, how do you guys connect? She said, same sorority. She said, I was way, way down on the totem pole. I was a shy one in the group. Every sorority needs a shy one. I was a shy one. And the brilliant one in the sorority, the one who was going to knock the cover off the baseball, she began to lose weight. Her hair began to fall out of her head. And this brilliant, brilliant, brilliant student began to flunk her classes. I went to her and I said, you know how shy I am. You know how withdrawn I am. The hardest thing I'm ever going to do in life is to say to you, if you need anyone to talk to, I am here. And she said, for the next four hours, we talked. She said, Pastor, you want to talk about going out of your comfort zone? You want to talk about throwing your net where you never thought you would possibly land it? That was me, and that was her. She told me that I saved her life. I don't know if that's true, but she told me that I saved her life.
Where will you and I cast our nets this year? Will it be all about our boats? Or will it be about the sheep and the lambs that he died for? Simon Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Cast the net in a place where you've never cast it before. Change your attitude. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk very humbly with your God. Let your light so shine before men that they may see that net that you throw out and give glory to God in his powerful name. Amen. Would you rise as we pray? Heavenly Father is called the gospel, and the gospel takes darkness and fills it with light, and the gospel takes the unforgivable and fills it with forgiveness. After every fall in 2020, there will be grace. And after every judgment in 2020, there will be forgiveness. And in the midst of any darkness that 2020 brings, there will be divine light. And after every night of death and sorrow in 2020, there will be the resurrection to new life and to new joy. May we catch the fish called forgiveness. May we catch the fish called grace. And may we catch the fish called light. And then may we cast those fishes out to others so that they might experience what we ourselves have experienced from our Lord and our Savior. In whose name we pray, amen.